0: This is Andrew Brewer. I am your host of the Healthcare Insights in Northwest North Carolina podcast, brought to you by Northwest Area Health Education Center at Wake Forest School of Medicine. Today, my guest is Honey Estrada, who is a master's in public health and a community health worker. She is formerly the Catawba County public health public health strategist, and now is the president of North Carolina Community Health Worker Association. So. I will start off by saying welcome, and why don't you fill in the gaps, let us know sort of your background, how you got to be where you are, and what it is that you're currently doing.
1: Yeah, yeah. What's up, Andrew? Um, it's it's good to see you, and thank you for having me. Um, yes, so very excited. I recently transitioned to serving as the president of the North Carolina Community Health Worker Association. So all things CHWs, uh, very passionate about this workforce. I personally am a community health worker myself. Um, and I think, you know, it's it's been a long time coming. There is so much energy surrounding CHWs right now, especially with a pandemic. And talk about leveraging a pandemic to elevate a workforce. There is no time like the present. And so we're, I'm just excited and thrilled to have an opportunity to share with you um, and the listeners about all things CHWs and what we so passionately do every day.
0: Well, great. Well, let's start out, let's back up a little bit and kind of give an overview of what a community health worker is and how it's evolved from... Um, what it was and what it's becoming and where do you see it going? So a lot, a lot, a lot covered in that question. (laughs)
1: Um, So I say this a lot in my circles and I will say this here. Um, I have always known that CHWs were really hot and sexy. And now a lot of folks believe that CHWs are really hot and sexy too. And so CHWs have been around for a long time, a long time um back in the day we were known as lay health workers and so really if you look at a community health worker these are trusted individuals within their communities they look like the communities they serve they speak the language they understand the cultural norms of those communities they understand what ticks, what works, what doesn't work. They understand the challenges that these communities face and how to really address those challenges. we It's so difficult to cover the breadth of community health workers because we cast such a wide net. We are Mamas, we're wives. We are interpreters. We are liaisons. We are advocates. We work in hair salons. We work in clinics. We work at hospitals. We work in public health. We work um, in community-based organizations. So we are, we are everywhere. And in my opinion, I think there there is a place for a CHW in almost every single industry because CHWs bring something that's really special. CHWs equal trust and CHWs equal access. CHWs can build and bridge relationships when we're looking specifically at healthcare, Um, of course, what we, what we know about the pandemic and what we, what happened is we've, we've we've always known that disparities existed. And all COVID did was shine a light on those disparities. And who did we call upon? We called upon the community health workers when we look at vaccination rates. Um, I know personally, in my experience, and I'm going to be very transparent, looking at the numbers. Um, initially the numbers and the the demographics, it was very white and I know that eligibility of vaccine had had an impact on that. Um, but when you look at the numbers, the data, it was very white. And in my experience, when I was working at Catawba County public health. You can almost look at the data and pinpoint exactly when the community health workers hit the ground running. We started to see a rise in our communities of color and making sure that the community health workers had, of course, all of the tools that they needed to be successful, excuse me, in reaching those communities. But you can almost see where they started hit, hit the ground running and really reaching our communities of color and. Bridging, bridging that gap and giving them access to these resources. In this case, it was vaccine. And so, you know, this is just one example of how community health workers are so valuable in this setting. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what this looks like, especially once we move out of the pandemic and then we move into recovery. It's going to be really interesting to see how all of this plays out.
0: Um, well, the picture you're painting feels like the CHWs are really the boots on the ground in the community doing um the connecting um as a extender of the healthcare system and an enabler of people who are needing to utilize the healthcare system. So did I did I summarize that?
1: Yes, yes. Um, but I, I want to be sure that we capture the essence of who a community health worker is. I think that oftentimes we want to box in community health workers. We want to we want to make them fit into a nice box. And it's hard to do that with community health workers because we don't fit in boxes. And you know and I know that there's a lot of discussion about medicalizing CHWs. And understanding that they can do so much more, we as CHWs, we can do so much more than just work within this box, within this very narrow scope. It's not always very prescriptive. And so understanding and and giving CHWs that space is going to be so important to do the work that they do best. Yes, connecting, um, championing, advocating, being that liaison, being the voice. It, It is all of those things.
0: So it could be interpreted, I guess my interpretation is health workers for the community, but they're re- you're really saying it's more community health and those working to create better health in the community.
1: Absolutely, yes, yes.
0: Yeah, so I always kind of saw it backwards as like they're just an extension of the healthcare system and trying to prevent readmissions and just really looking at it from a health system standpoint. But really, it should be we should be looking at it from a community system and a community yes. community yeah. gr- capacity and and you know healthier community functioning system
1: yeah correct so really looking at that community-based model Um, and it's not new it's not new um i i know that very recently last week um and i'm going to shout out to our friends at partners in health um dr paul farmer passed away last week and he was a, a founder of partners in health And so shout out to them. But if you've ever had the opportunity to watch Bending the Arc, it's available on Netflix, uh, but they do such a great job of showcasing this community-based model. It's not something that's new, you know, And, and what we often say is when we're looking for the answers, the community has those answers. It just, we just need to listen. We just need to listen. They will tell us what they need. They have the answers. We just have to listen to find out how we can come alongside of them to partner with them, to give them what they need.
0: Mm -hmm. Now, how do you go about recruiting and training and retaining uh, community health workers?
1: That is a great question. You know, this is so part of this is there are so many of us who are naturally chws um, personally my mom is the first chw that i've ever known so growing up i am Hmong american and my parents uh, my parents family they came here during times of war during the vietnam war and um, my mom so we first i was i was born in fresno california and my mom worked as a head start teacher for for several years and i remember going with her to friends houses and she would support them in filling out applications or reading um, reading labels and and teaching them how to access things and connecting them to resources and so my earliest memory of a community health worker is is my mom did she have the training to do that no that's just what she did it's just who we are as community health workers and so one could argue yes there is specific training that is needed but then again on the flip side of that there are community health workers again that community-based model that chw who is so embedded in the community that he or she does not even realize that he or she is a CHW. I, that certainly was the case for me, um, was doing this work all along and and did not, you know, supported my family, supported friends, supported um, individuals who had questions and did not even realize that I was doing CHW work until I learned more and was like, oh, hey, that's me. That's what I'm doing, you know, and so... Um, Recently, there has been a push or the the movement is that we move to certify community health workers. And there are some states who have pushed forward with certification. There are some states that have not, and each state has to do what is right for them. For North Carolina, we recently, and when I say recently, I mean, just a couple of weeks ago, we just pushed out communications about certification. And so there are two tracks that we're looking at at the association. We're looking at the standardized core competency training, uh, which we call SECt, or the legacy track. Now, the legacy track is still in development, but I'll start with SECt. SCCT right now is currently being taught within community colleges, and so there's there's a few community colleges sprinkled throughout the state that are teaching the curriculum. And the instructors had to have completed uh, train the trainer with our two master trainers. These individuals, Erica and Jennifer, are our master trainers, and they are the co-authors of our curriculum. So trainers have to go through. Train the trainer before they can teach the standardized core curriculum at the community colleges. Once a CHW enrolls in this course and completes it at 80%, they're going to come out to the other side and and achieve certification. So we just pushed out communications about that a couple of weeks ago. So it's a very exciting time. Um, and we pushed out communications to the instructors who then pushed it out to the CHWs. But it's it's pretty exciting. So CHWs who completed the course in 2020 and 2021 will will be certified. So, you know, applause is all around. We're super pumped about that. On the other side of that. We recognize that there are a lot of CHWs who are mature in this prevention profession and have been doing this work for years. So they're like, you know, honey, I've been doing this for a long time. I don't need to sit through another course to tell me what I can do. I know what I'm doing. Hey, I get it. I got you. I understand. And so we have developed, we're currently developing the legacy track. And this is really honoring CHWs who have been doing this work for a long time and what it will look like is we're, we're going to, we're going to really look at. Um, Verification of lived experience, that's really important to CHW culture. Um, That lived experience is a critical component. Lived experience, professional experience, and then letters of support from community members and or community partners that they've been working alongside of. So, again, still in development, but those will be two tracks to, to achieving certification as a CHW in the state of North Carolina.
0: So that's kinda like you've got the certification for people wanting to get into it and then verification and kind of uh background, you know, uh vetting for those who have been doing it, just to kinda maintain that trust and that 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 uh let's just call it a brand of of a an official organization that is sanctioning or, or yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. Okay, I'm just trying to get it all straight. Um the and congratulations for your for your, for those gains that you made yeah. in the last couple of weeks. Um, so the the healthcare or the Community Health Worker Association is is an umbrella organization con, uh, concerned with certifications and uh, two questions. Who what what type of person? What skills and and competencies do you look for for CHWs and What opportunities are there for them officially for employment? And where do those funding sources come from and all that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So when we look at CHWs, I think that, again, there are individuals who have been doing this work for a long time. Um, I have friends who have been CHWs for a very long time. They, They understand the needs of the community. So when we're looking at hiring or bringing somebody on board, it's somebody who knows that community well, um, and and I'll 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 talk about um, some CHWs that I know specifically. Um, he Brandon um, Brandon Moss. So Brandon, if you're listening, what's up? Um, hey, Brandon. Yeah, hey Brandon. He is he he was one of the community health workers that we hired when I worked at Catawba County Public Health, and he knows everybody. He is African-American male, and we were very intentional about onboarding um, this team. And I think I would would say that most folks are pretty intentional about onboarding community health workers. Um, They need to look like the communities they serve. They need to understand, again, those cultural norms. What makes, what makes this group of people tick? What works? What doesn't work? They have trusted relationships with these individuals and they're able to bridge relationships with systems. And I say systems collectively, healthcare systems, societal systems, educational systems, um, but using Brandon as an example, he is African American male and he knows everybody. He knows everybody and so everywhere we went he was like hey what's up hey what's up how you doing i see you i see you and so we we were very intentional um, in making sure in in onboarding him because he was going to be able to bridge those relationships and so when we're looking for community health workers those natural leaders within the community, those trusted voices, it's so critical to the workforce. Um, And then as we look at um, payment, I know that, so right now that's tricky because again, remember what I said, everybody thinks that CHWs are really hot and sexy right now. So there's a lot of funding to support community health workers. There's a lot of funding, a lot of energy, a lot of money being thrown at CHWs right now. And right now, and and historically, CHWs have historically done this work for free or on a volunteer basis or paid through grant dollars. And while that's grant dollars are great, it's not sustainable. And so one concern that we have um, at the association is the sustainability of this workforce. This workforce has proven just how valuable they are to our healthcare teams. They are valuable assets to any team. They bring a breadth of knowledge, a breadth of understanding to communities, specifically local communities. And so, my concern and the association's concern is what does this look like after the grant dollars dry up? after the funding stops, what does this look like? And so how do we how do we ensure that we're really looking at sustainable payment models to ensure that this workforce is able to do what they are doing? Because even though COVID may come to an end, chronic disease is still gonna be here. Diabetes is still gonna be here. Cancer is still gonna be here. Hypertension is still gonna be here. How do we take this workforce that we've built the infrastructure for during the pandemic and take this momentum and carry it on into recovery.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, well, you know, I was reading through some of the literature on uh, community health workers and kind of the overarching tenets, helping people navigate healthcare and human services systems providing culturally appropriate health education and building individual and community capacity. So that's a very broad thing. And, you know, uh, just a side note, I, as I'd learn more about the CHW and, and people describe with enthusiasm the role that they're doing in the community and the types of people, the the anecdotes of people I hear about and really sounds like what we would want a politician to be. <laughs> <You> know. <laughs> You know, I mean, it's like, that's what I think of as someone who's really serving the community and really showing
1: yeah. that, they, that
0: they care and really connecting people and, and really working for your vote and support, Um, you know, instead of just, you know, saying a bunch of stuff and getting put in, in a place of decision making and then forgetting about the people that got you there. You yeah. know, that, that's sort of the modern view, uh, but but a traditional view of a politician. But having said that, that's, a, that's an aside. <laughs>
1: I appreciate
0: um, that. <laughs> um in a you know politician now is a pejorative but this in this <laughs> sense it would be you know what i the ideal politician would be. But um but w- one of the things i was running down the list of skills and and the uh you know when it got real granular of of what it is um that these the, this role is and and i'm involved in a health coaching not only a health and wellness coaching um, course designed for CHWs, I'm also enrolled to become a certified health and wellness coach myself. So I'm very uh, near and dear to my heart. Uh, topic. Yeah. And, and what I pulled out, I saw some list of skills for CHWs and I forgot where I got it, but um, some of the things I'm going to read really weave through all these things that we talk about in health and wellness coaching. So this is where I'm, I'm going somewhere with this, so so patience. (laughs) Sure, sure. Go Go, go for it. Go for it. so, So listening and engaging with empathy, coaching and motivational interviewing, you know, coming up with action plans, personal development and empowerment, um, community building, community organization, collaborating and sharing, observation, active inquiry, connecting resources. Setting goals, prioritizing, and being informed. I mean, to me, it sounds like this is a great opportunity—not um, only to react to emergent needs like the pandemic, but also like those uh, ongoing, chronic things that you mentioned, those disease states that are, uh, you know, have reached epidemic proportions in 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 our society. Um, you know, obesity, hypertension, cardiovascular, you know, tobacco, alcohol, you know, all the things, all the things, you know, that we yeah, we, yeah. We, we know. So the, those qualities in a CHW, um, the way I see it and, and why it's so hot right now, same as health coaching, is that people want to be healthier. No one wants to be poor. No one wants to be sick. No one wants to feel bad. Um, it's just getting the support out there that they need um, with the skills to listen and engage with empathy, for example, and help set goals and or help state a goal and help set action plans and all that stuff. It just seems like they are health coaches.
1: (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's interesting. You should say that because I know, you know, so shout out to NCA Heck, um, who I know you, you, are, are, are with. Um, so they are a strong partner for us at the association. And one of the modules, so we were looking at developing specialty training modules for CHWs. And one of those modules is centered around health coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, Because, yes, absolutely, Um, CHWs also serve as coaches for the community members that they serve and the families that they work with. Yes, it's very similar in all of that. So, yeah, absolutely. You know, I think that um, along with all of this um, comes the discussion of health equity, you know, And, and as we look at health equity, if you look at the core, the core of health equity is racial equity. And who better to serve and who better to lead efforts than CHWs? Because they are, they're already doing it. And so, looking at looking to those CHWs to lead efforts, specifically in populations of color or communities of color with Black and Brown populations, um, really leading those efforts in health and racial equity, that's going to be so critical to our recovery after the pandemic
0: um, and where you know people talk often talk about root causes and 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 getting you know sort of shining light on those, but we've been doing that for years and and my my where I kind of lose focus and and kind of get impatient with it is like, yeah, yeah, we know this stuff, so what are we doing to progress you know what are yeah. we doing to solve these things and one of the things is you know that personal and development and empowerment. Piece where, you know, getting individuals in a community to believe in themselves and to say, well, there's a lot of things I can't control. Um, there's a lot of things I can advocate for. But right here, right now, the things I can control are my own behaviors. And maybe I could live healthier. Maybe I could uh, change my lifestyle and therefore create that um momentum for positive change and then that's infectious that's contagious you know so from from the individual piece out i think is where i see the greatest uh, opportunities for real systemic change but back to the individual and taking one person at a time within a community and empower, you know, getting them to feel empowered that they can make a change. What do you yeah. what do mm-hmm. you say about that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I think it's gonna be at the association we 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 lean on the socioecological model. So looking at all of the different levels within that socioecological model or the SEM we understand that chws operate within all of those levels from the individual all the way up to that executive level Mm -hmm. and so you know yeah when you talk about that individual um, that individualized care we have chws who do that so they work one-on-one with individuals We have CHWs who work at an organizational level. We have CHWs who work all the way up to that policy, executive level policy, um, and to really impact change. And I I think that's, that's what makes CHWs so special is their ability to really impact change at all those different levels. And you're absolutely right. I think that, you know, when we look at communities and talking about, because here's the thing. Everybody's at a different place in their health journey. You know, health is not a destination. It is definitely a journey. And what sets CHWs apart is the fact that they have that lived experience. They understand the struggle. They've been there. We've been there. We understand what it looks like. We understand those challenges. We understand, you know, if somebody is going through domestic violence. We understand. Um, CHWs are going to understand because they've been there. They've done that. They know the struggle. They know what it's like to to depend on assistance. They know what it's like to not have um, a, a warm bed or food um, in the fridge. They understand what it's like to to struggle from day to day. You know, and and I think a lot of times in healthcare, what we see is they're the patients being non-compliant you know or they're not showing up for their appointments and we're quick to make assumptions but if we look a little bit further what we realize is that well maybe they can't show up because they don't have transportation and this is this is a single parent who's got three little ones who they're not worried about their first, their first concern is not getting to the doctor because they're, they're trying to keep, keep their kids fed. They're wondering whether their next meal is gonna come from, you know? And so CHWs understand what that looks like. And when you place a CHW in that healthcare team, that CHW can say, let's take a look at all of this. Who else better to address social determinants of health than the folks who understand it themselves, the CHW. And so absolutely looking at that individualized care is going to be so critical and making sure that they have exactly what they need in order to achieve healthy outcomes. That's going to be pivotal for us.
0: Well, I, you know, as you were talking, I'm, I'm just thinking of, you know, there. you mentioned there's a lot of funding and I realize there's a lot of energy around this and, and, um, you know, so the dollars are flowing. There seems to be an infrastructure that can can make a difference. But I still have seen, or I I think about it, and I have seen, uh, in the past also, you know, perverse incentives being set up. Uh, you know, building organizations based on this need, and then because if you solve the need, then the funding goes away, and your reason for being goes away. Um, so it's like we you need to keep bringing clients to feed the system. So we just grow instead of strength based, we look at, you know, let's point fingers and find the blame so we can shift it and create new problems to solve with more money. It just seems like a a, a never ending uh, self-fulfilling system. And that's the criticism I would have over that and I'm not saying I subscribe to that I just have heard this you know that point of view. so um, you know it seems like boots on the ground in the in the midst of where the need is is the right place for it. Um, and I'm trying to come up with a question but I, <laughs> but I you know just do you have a reaction to what to what I just shared?
1: Well, so, yeah, I think, you know, what we're looking, when you talk about that root cause, again, that brings me back to health equity, racial equity. I think what we need to call out is the fact that, yes, this is a broken system and we have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable in these spaces. We need to challenge the system. There is, there are racial inequities. There are, I mean, there's there's issues of classism, all, all the isms, right? All the isms. And so really looking at how do we push forward? How do we create a better tomorrow? How do we create a system that is sustainable? What we have currently does not work. And so I think it's gonna be critically important to ensure that we have CHW voices at the table to advance these discussions. We need to have them at the table to lead these discussions. We need to have them at the table because they understand what is needed in community to achieve healthy outcomes. They need to be a part of the conversation. And so, you know, in in talking through systems and what this looks like in the future, creating that better tomorrow, I think, I mean, everybody wants that. We all want to make sure that we leave our communities better than we found it today for the next generation. And so in order to do that, we need to make sure that these voices are included at the table, that they are part of the conversation, they need to be the ones leading the efforts. And so that you know when you're talking about root causes, I mean, I think that the issue of racial equity is loud and it's it needs to be addressed and it's not going to you know that it's not going to fix itself by tomorrow. I mean, we're talking about issues that are systemic and and we are breaking down walls that are as wide as the ocean and as tall as mountains, it's not gonna happen in a day. It's gonna take a while for us to to find resolutions, but really centering CHWs, um, which is of course what I'm all about, um, but really centering CHWs and making sure that they have a seat at the table and a voice and a safe space to share. I think that's gonna be really important for us as we move forward.
0: Yeah, thanks for that. I mean, I, I... You know we we point to the systemic isms and um it seems like i've heard that phrase the same energy that created the problem cannot be used to solve it and so instead of focusing on what has happened in the past i always like to be pro something instead of anti something so pro health pro peace pro love instead of anti this anti that um, I think that's there's room for that in the conversation to grow. and I think the focus on well, we can't do this because of this problem in the past keeps us stuck there, you yeah. know and yeah, and, and, I've, and I've just heard this, you know, we, we've got to uncover the root causes, root causes. Well, we know what the root causes are. Yeah, I think, I think we know we've we've been looking for them for decades and I think we know what they are. And now is, what, is it, what are the strengths? And I think what you're pointing, painting a picture of is the strengths are the people in those communities who are the ones who are advocating for healthy change. And, and that yeah. can be systemic change. That can be individual uh behavior change and all the things the whole spectrum in between so
1: absolutely
0: um let's see uh again i go back to the politician because you you, you <laughs> The thing that you described—the conversations and that seat at the table—and and and you know, and you've talked about some of these people are volunteers. Well, you know that's not that sustainable too, as the it's challenge not. as yeah. the challenge grows and the the scope of what a CHW does. Now, back to that question, like Brass Tax, who like in Catawba County, it sounds like the public health had had employees who were CHWs. What are some of those other? What are some of the other models that you see?
1: So, community based organizations, uh, through and through community based organizations, we are always going to lift up community based organizations at every single turn because they understand. Again, they understand what is going on inside of that local community who best to serve and lead efforts with community health workers than community based organizations. They serve the people there. they understand the needs they understand the nuances, and so really, um that is that that community based model that to really looking at that grassroots feel of everything community based organizations are the leaders in really pushing forward with this. Um, but I know that chWs are employed in various settings, they're employed with hospitals and health systems. They are employed Um, with payers, they're employed in FQHCs, they're employed in clinics. Um, You know, I know that we have had conversations about CHWs being employed in specific industries, Um, you know, manufacturing, textiles, really connecting with those employees to make sure that those needs are being met. And so you will, and, and CHW is really an umbrella term. So you might see, all different types of titles from a family advocate to um, a community health outreach specialist so there are lots of different titles um but community health worker is that umbrella title that really encompasses what what this profession does um so there are you know we're we're all over the place um and a lot of times again CHWs don't even realize, there are some CHWs who don't even realize that they are CHWs, but that is the very essence of what they are doing.
0: Now, tell me about the organization, uh, North Carolina Community Health Worker Association is fairly new as far as I know. And, and uh, you know, talk about how that sprung up and what does that look like nationally? Is there state by state? Is there national organizations? Also, what what are your plans for the next, you know, as the pandemic winds down, let's hope and, and that that's the direction we're in. And, and then, you know, what do you see, you know, what's your one year, five year, 10 year uh, outlook?
1: Oh man. Well, you know, we want to conquer the world. <laughs> yeah. So um, shout out to everybody who has invested in, into the association, you know, this work started really early on, uh, 2014, 2015-ish. For me, it started in 2016 when I attended a listening session um, that was conducted by the CHW coordinator, uh, Tish Singletary, who was in that position at that time. And um, I just continued to, to remain involved in all of the efforts and a, a committee was formed from those efforts. Um, at that time, we were known as the North Carolina Community Health Worker Advisory Committee. And as we continue to have conversations around training and certification, um, we, we started having conversations with other states to find out what did their professional associations look like. And it was really important for us to, to maintain um, the integrity of the CHW, and so it was important for us not to align ourselves with any other organization or any other entity, but to establish ourselves independently, which is what we did. So, last, um, last year, we, uh, we filed for nonprofit status and, and got all of that paperwork going. Um, And and then we became the association. And so, yes, we are very much in our infancy and um, I stepped into the president's role and then we have a board of directors and, and it's you can see those folks who are on our website, but shout out to them. They have certainly. Um, been mentors and coaches for me through this process, but we are CHWs and CHW allies from across the state, from various backgrounds with a really rich lived experience and, and, And I I think it's a really colorful table. Um, we have lots of great discussions and there's just a lot of brilliance and genius that is at that is at the association. So, I'm so honored to work alongside of these individuals. I learned so much from each and every 1 of them. Um, but. We are really leading efforts on training and certification. We are the professional home for CHWs, and so yes, we are just getting started. And part um, one of the priorities, of course, is centered around the certification, which we talked about but the other the other priority for me is to reach CHWs in local communities i know i've had lots of conversations with lots of CHWs within the past couple of weeks who've reached out to say hey how do we get involved and what can I do to to, what, excuse me, what can I do to support the association? And I'm flipping the question because we do not want to be prescriptive. We want to ensure that we are coming alongside of CHWs in their local communities and supporting what they're doing. They are the ones leading the efforts. We are here to support them. And so CHWs, if you're listening, The association is here for you. We're here to support you and the work that you're doing. We want to come alongside of you and support your work. Um, It, we do not want to stop any local efforts or prescribe how to do work. We understand that communities differ one from the next. And so it is not the role of the association to say, this is how you need to do work. We're looking to you to tell us what you need and 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 the tools you need to be successful and how we can advocate for that um, one of the things that we are getting ready to um, to do is have listening sessions region by region to really understand the needs and wants of CHWs across the state. So looking at the six Medicaid regions within the state, um, we'll go in order one through six and talk to CHWs in in each of the regions to understand from them, what do they need? What do they want? House training. Um, give us feedback on certification because we want to make sure that all of these efforts are CHW led and CHW launched.
0: Now, what kind of uh, membership are you looking to build? And and as you know, beyond just the certification stuff and and just general support with would that, with would belonging, becoming a member, Uh Get, grant you resources and, and ways to communicate with others and all those things. So what, what do you see happening on that front?
1: Absolutely, Andrew. I think that, so this is just a tease. Um, But we don't because we haven't decided for sure yet. So I'll I'll give you a quick tease. But as we talk about membership, we're really looking at offering the first year because we are in our infancy and this is this is our inaugural year our first year of 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 doing work. Um, And so we're we're. Thinking about offering the first year of membership for free for CHWs. Um, And yeah, absolutely. We want to demonstrate the value of being part of the association and really building that collaborative network. Um, Again, shout out to North Carolina AHEC, who supported us last fall in our first CHW summit, which was so successful. There was so much positive energy. Um, I heard so many great things from CHWs and really leaning on that, on that energy and riding that momentum to build um, this collaborative, cohesive voice of CHWs across the state is going to be really important. And so we want to build this, this network for CHWs um, across the state and within local communities. And um, I, I want to bounce back to the question you asked earlier about what does this look like in other states? Um, so there are other states who have associations, um, but there are some states that don't. And again, I think that each state has to find that balance to strike that balance of what works for them. And so I know that we have talked um, at length with lots of other states to find out best practices and challenges and what works and what doesn't work and how did you navigate this over here and coming up on our, you know, this, this project over here. How did you guys make that work? And so um we do have really strong relationships with uh the southeast uh, regional network there is a, a regional network of, of um, CHW associations in the southeast and then yes nationally um with a national association for community health workers we are um we are in close communications with them as well um in also the CHW section of APHA so American Public Health Association. We work closely with that section as well. So some strong partners um, across state lines, and then some really strong partners nationally that we've aligned ourselves with.
0: And w- what part of uh, what part of what you're doing as a statewide organization um, is involved with growing, say, a volunteer network? And how would people get get involved if they were interested?
1: Yeah, so right now, um, because we are just starting, so if you visit our website, there is gonna be a little button that says connect with us. And if you connect with us, um, anytime we send out communications broadly, we will send out ways to get involved through that channel currently. We're still building, again, we are in our infancy, so be patient with us, Mm -hmm. Uh, but we are working diligently on, on really building all of that to be a more robust system.
0: Now, you've mentioned uh, North Carolina AHEC system, which obviously Northwest is a, one of the regional uh, outlets of that. Um, what other uh, organizations across the state have you thought or are partnering with, have thought about partnering with or would like to partner with? And I'm thinking about like right here in Winston-Salem, we have the ex- experiment in self-reliance, for example, and I know that they do a lot of empowering people to get you know financially sound and to take control of their lives and to make healthier uh you know overall you know the business of life kind of decisions um you know are are you working with organizations like that across the state
1: um so some of the some of the stakeholders we're working with include the office of rural health at um NCDHHS of course um, they are a strong partner for us And um, the North Carolina Hospital Association, we're working very closely with them. Um, The HBCUs, the North Carolina um, Community Health Center Association, so we're working very closely with them as well. Uh, Partners in Health, who I mentioned earlier, they're also a strong partner. Um, But as far as those um, more localized organizations, no, we do not have partnerships with them yet. But I would love to to entertain a conversation if that is something that organizations are interested um in moving forward with
0: so as an organization you know there's this training element certification element is is uh, uh is there i'm I'm thinking that and this may be true it may not be, but probably a large percentage of your time is grant writing
1: <laughs> so <laughs> not yet not yet yes um i think that that's definitely something that we are going to be looking for so we actually partnered with the state uh last last year um to to write the um a grant that was available through the cdc the 2109 grant and we did receive that funding so those, those dollars will come to those are startup funds for the association. So very thankful for that partnership. Um, there were lots, lots of brains and lots of brilliance to that contributed to to making that come to life. Um, but that those dollars will come to fund um, the association and startup and launch and all the, those good things. But then you know yes, as we look um but, and that's a three year grant. And so once we looking into uh, looking beyond the next three years, absolutely, grant writing is probably going to be something that we're going to be looking at to to sustain efforts.
0: Mm-hmm. So it'd be like grant writing, membership fees, like training fees, and and sure. yes, and, yeah, and, and and just other support that you could get.
1: Mm-hmm. All right, absolutely.
0: Well. Um, I think we're should probably wrap it up, but I, I would be remiss if I don't ask you about Zumba. So you are, a, you know, I read somewhere that, that, that you're a Zumba person and you, yes. you, even te- you even teach Zumba. So tell us a little bit about that and how yes. you got involved.
1: Oh man. Zumba makes me so happy. Um, it is definitely the thing, one of the things that kept me sane during the pandemic, it just it brings me so much joy. I love to dance. Yes, I teach Zumba um, at our local library. So shout out to Catawba County Library System, the Newton Branch. You all are amazing. They are a tremendous partner. It's really funny when they first, when we first had a conversation about teaching Zumba um, at the library, I was like, what you want me to teach this like really loud hype class at a library aren't library supposed to be like quiet and, and um, we had a, we had a good chuckle, but they're like, "No, no, 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 we're not that kind of library so. Um, It's such it's such a fun place to be. Um, I have been I was a participant for years, for years and years, and decided to get get uh, my license to teach. And so I've been teaching for several years, but it just brings me so much joy. And um, even within Zumba, there is a small community of Zumba, Zumba lovers and Zumba enthusiasts and it's just, it's, it's such a good time. It really gives me an opportunity to connect with some really phenomenal ladies. Most, most of them are ladies who come to class. I do co-teach with my brother, um, but it is definitely something that brings me a lot of joy. It just makes me happy. And, and I, in, in my world, after Zumba, everything is right in the world again.
0: I, I hear you on that. Dancing will make, put a smile on most people's faces. So. <laughs> That's so great. Well, honey, I, I, I have to, uh, you know, just saying that, how how has that been growing up with the first name honey?
1: Well, you know, um, I have heard it all. So, you know, um, honey bunny, Honey Nut Cheerios, Honey Bunches of Oats. I mean, you you name it, I've heard it. It's not new, um, but um, I will say there is a really sweet story behind that. My dad gave me my name, um, and he sh- he what he shared with me was that when I was born, he looked at me and he knew um, I was I'm his firstborn, and I would always be his girl, and I would always be his honey. So. Isn't that sweet? Oh that my gosh. So sweet. It makes me gush every time. So
0: <laughs> Well, uh here we have the raw and unfiltered honey
1: um,
0: <laughs> on on today's podcast. And and That's we'll leave, uh if tell us how to get to your website to learn more information.
1: Absolutely. Our website is N-C-C-H-W-A, North Carolina Community Health Worker Association, N-C-C-H-W-A um, And you can connect with us there.
0: Well, thank you so much for your time today. And I really enjoyed our conversation.
1: Thanks, Andrew.